Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. I heard of an explosion in a mine. And the explosion collapsed part of it and trapped many of the miners. And of course, a heroic effort was made to get to them in time. And the poor miners were waiting there in complete darkness with the air slowly running out. And all I could do was wait and hope and pray. And what a terrifying thought being trapped deep underneath the ground. It's the stuff of nightmares, I would say. But it was their reality. Well, thank God they were reached in time. They were reached while they were still alive. The rescue workers smashed through the last bit of rock and stepped through into the newly opened tunnel and the first thing they did was shine in a light. And the miners, you have to understand, they've been in darkness for a long time, so this bright light shines in. Of course, they're shielding their eyes. All of them except one. And he actually said, why don't they turn on a light? And it was only then that his friends knew he was blind. And come to turn out, he was blinded right in the beginning of the disaster with that explosion. But they'd been sitting together in darkness for all that time. He didn't know. His friends didn't know that, that he'd been blinded. They didn't realize until the arrival of the light. So we're in chapter 9 of John's Gospel, and it's a continuation of the Pharisees' attack on Jesus. And Jesus had been trying to show them that they're blind. And the members of this religious sect, the, the Pharisees, they claimed to love the Bible. They had a rote knowledge of Scripture. In fact, many of them had memorized the first five books of the Bible. So that takes scholarship, hard work, devotion, and all those are good things, but they lacked one thing, they didn't know God. And before Jesus came, most of the people thought that the Pharisees are righteous. The, the masses thought that this religious sect were men of God, and who could blame them? They didn't have the light, but when Jesus came, their blindness was exposed. And Jesus told them plainly that, that he's God, the great I am, and they should have fallen at his feet and worshipped him. They should have prayed that God heal their blindness, but instead they accused him of blasphemy and picked up stones to kill him. And at that time, by a miracle, Jesus walks right through the angry mob and continues on his way. And notice the Pharisees are acting like blind men. They're filled with this murderous rage. They want to stone Jesus, and he simply walks right past them and they can't see him. He continues on, unconcerned, and goes about his business. So a little while after this, we go into chapter 9, and Jesus sees a man, and being God, he knows the man was born blind. So he decides to use this opportunity to teach about spiritual blindness. And there are people who are spiritually blind because they've never read the Bible, They've never heard a sermon. But there are other people who are raised Christian. And they've attended church regularly. And they have lots of religion. They don't have God. 
Jesus asks, can the blind lead the blind? Luke 6.39. And education is good. The Pharisees had lots and lots of education, and that can be good, but it's not the answer. Religion can be fine if God's there. If God isn't in religion, it can actually do more harm than good. And how can we know the difference? How can we even know good from evil? How can we know righteous men from the ungodly? How can we know men of God from cult leaders? And without God, we're like those miners trapped in the darkness. We can't distinguish one thing from another. And if we're ever going to be able to see anything, it has to be by God's grace. And God will grant vision and light to those who want it. So each one of us has a choice to make. Will I be obedient? And there's a relationship between faith and works. And the Pharisees thought they, they, they could earn salvation by good works. And they started off with what they thought were good intentions. But self-righteousness isn't good. That was our topic last week and we move on. There can be a healthy relationship between faith and works. James writes, chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he has faith and has not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to him, depart in peace. Be warm and well-filled, notwithstanding you give them not the things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man can say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. So Jesus had been trying to teach his disciples both these things for some time and he's, he's walking now through the countryside and he sees a man who's blind. He's been blind his, old, his whole life. He was born that way. So of course he couldn't help it. What choice did we have about the condition that we came into this world? Or did we even choose to be born at all? So of course the man has no fault. <laughs> He's been born blind. The very notion is ridiculous. And yet, the disciples ask Jesus, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And here they're talking like the Pharisees. Who sinned? We've got to find out who sinned and, and blame them. And their thinking is incorrect. But Jesus has no harsh rebuke because that's what they were taught. The leaders of the people were the Pharisees. And they had no light. It was a blind leading the blind. But now Jesus has come. He met them right where they were. And they're meek. They're teachable. And this is like Jesus teaches you and me day by day. So as now we have the opportunity, I'd like to look into this. See how Jesus does things. What's he like? How will he teach me? And Stacy mentioned the healing and how it was done. Where Jesus spit on the ground and made a clay with the dirt and the saliva. And 
put it on the man's eyes, and he was healed. And many, many modern readers have thought this was unusual. I mean, Americans, we'd never make our own homemade medicine out of spit and dirt. <laughs> Either ingredient is right out. Now, so, and just to be honest, when I'm not mocking the scripture. I'm just saying, from our culture, it seems bizarre. It does. Okay. If we go back to that area, the first century A.D., culture was different. There were actually healers. I don't know if it was effectual or not, but there actually were healers. It was somewhat common for them to make a clay out of spit and saliva and to heal with it. And Jesus healed people in different ways. I think he made a point of it. A lot of times Jesus laid hands on people and they were healed. Not always. A lot of other times he just spoke the word. And when he spoke, a lot of times the person was right in front of him. Not always. Sometimes it was a different town. And he spoke the word and the person went running back to see if his relative was healed and they, they compared notes about what hour the person got better. It was as soon as Jesus said it from who knows how many miles away, he was healed. So he healed in different ways. In this case, I believe that, that Jesus is purposefully doing the work like one of their healers. He did the work of making a clay. So look, look at John 9 verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And also note that when he deliberately did this work, it was a Sabbath day, John 9, 14. And it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he'd received his sight. And he said unto them, he put a clay upon mine eyes and I wash and do see. Therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of, not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. And I, I believe Jesus did that on purpose. He reached some of them. Even, even God, I mean, he's not going to take away our free will. So that being so, even God can't reach anyone, everyone because it's up to you. <laughs> you have to make the choice. But after Jesus did this work on the Sabbath day, there was a division among them at that point. See, some light got in. Before that, they were like those miners. They thought they were all the same. And the light arrived. And now it's apparent that some can see and some can't. Faith without works is dead. And you can either, either see that or you can't. If you can't, you'd have to ask God for healing. So what exactly happened to the man who was born blind? How, how was he healed? Well, first, he, he heard Jesus far off, but he wasn't healed. And then Jesus walked right up to him. He had a personal encounter with Jesus, and he still wasn't healed. Then Jesus touched him. The Lord Jesus Christ personally touched his blind eyes. Can you imagine that? However, he still wasn't healed, was he? Look at the scripture. And Jesus said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. 
So the man started walking. He took that first step. Not being healed, he took more and more steps. Nothing. Went on somewhat of a journey. Walked and walked. He finally reached the pool. And you're still blind after all that. You're washing the pool just like Jesus told him. And then he walked all the way back to Jesus. And he came back seeing. And he came back because he wanted to give Jesus the credit for healing. And also, it was a public testimony to everybody else. And it witnessed to them. It helped them to have faith. It built them up. It helped them to to seek God and find healing with their own problems. We all have problems. On, on Facebook, we seem to all have it all together and rejoicing more than people on soda commercials. But we all, we, all have pro, we all have problems, right? So him coming all the way back to Jesus to give him the credit and, and praise God that helped the other people. And he came back seeing. So, do you want to see miracles in your own life? Some things are too complicated for us or we don't have the power. It's simple for God. So the gospel is simple. Listen to Jesus and do what He says. Jesus sent and He went. If He hadn't gone, He never would have been healed. And I've known a lot of people that come to church. They like to be associated with Christians. But that's not enough. It takes more than that. You need your own faith. This particular pool, the Hebrews named Salome, which means sent. So I'd like to go into the history a little bit. The Jews believed that God sent water into that pool, but it was an artificial pool. It wasn't a natural pool. The people of Jerusalem had cut it out of the rock. In round numbers, it was 50 feet long by 20 feet wide by 20 feet deep. And when they, they cut that big hole into the rock, it was perfectly dry. There's no spring at the bottom, nothing. So how'd the water get in there? Where'd the water come from? Psalm 46.4 There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. So if you look at the commentaries of Matthew Henry and many, many others, they believe this is a reference to the Pool of Siloam. And there was a spring that was known as the, the Virgin Spring. The Hebrews found it upon entering the Holy Land. And the Jews built the city of Jerusalem. And they were often attacked or harassed by enemies, so they... They surrounded the, the city with a defensive wall. It was common in those times. But there was no source of water at all in the city. It's a whole city of people without water. If you're hiding from enemies behind the defenses, how, how could you stay there for very long? But they believed Psalm 46. That God would provide these streams of water. So they chiseled underground for a third of a mile to the virgin spring. And the water flowed faithfully from that spring all the way down to the cistern that they dug. And filled it with water. 
and they called it Salom, which means sent. They didn't name it after themselves. In other words, they were saying, we believe that God sent the water here. And several rabbinical traditions also called that pool the Messiah's pool because God would send the Messiah. So let's look. There's way too many passages to name them all. Look at a few. John 3.17 For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. John 4.34 Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. John 7.33 Yet a little while I am with you, and then I go unto Him that sent me. Even in the chapter that, that we read today, John chapter 9, Jesus says twice that the Father has sent him. And he prayed to the Father in John 17. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I send them into the world. And Jesus told his disciples in John 20, As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. So there was a man who was born blind and Jesus sent and he went. He was healed and he came back with something to share. And I know people, that, a lot of people have gone to a church service or revival service of some kind and they get all emotional and say the sinner's prayer. Then go back home and live the same way they always did. Are they saved? There are tens of thousands of people perishing within walking distance of, of this church. There's millions of people we could reach. People who don't know Christ without going very far. Millions going to hell and who cares? And who spends any time praying for them? And have you told your friends that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. It's not politically correct. It's true. Have you told them? Have you told your family? Have you invited them to church? Have you given them a Bible or a Christian book? Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So are you saved? Where's the river? And I'm not questioning your salvation. I'm saying... There should be a river flowing out of all of us. Revelation 22.1 And this is the Apostle John speaking. He was caught up into heaven. And there was an angel there. Revelation 22.1 And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month? And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So there's a pure river, the water of life, flowing out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. 
And have you spent any time recently by that river? Or have you been spending all of your time with worldly people and evil spirits and doing the things that they do? Or have you been spending time with God's people? Have you been praying and reading the Bible? The first psalm says this, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his light does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So you and I, we can bear fruit for the healing of the nations. God has sent us to that pure river, the water of life. He wants us to go there and be healed. He wants us to wash there and come back with something to share. And we can reach New Hampshire and New England for Christ. We can reach the nation. We can send missionaries to the end of the earth again. Let the water flow to you and through you. If you've received faith, do the works. Back in that day, long ago, God had sent the water to the virgin spring. Even so, his people worked really hard, tunneling through solid rock for a third of the mile to bring that precious water life-giving, healing water into the city of Jerusalem. Because there were people that need it. There were people who were going to perish without it. So likewise, God has given us the Holy Spirit. And He wants us to labor obediently and diligently to rescue the perishing, those millions of people around us who don't know Christ. And like, like that day when Jesus met that blind man, We'll see miracles and signs and wonders. And may everything bring glory to the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen.